0: We will be following a Bible reading calendar that provides for reading the whole Bible in a year that was created by Minister Robert Murray McShane for his congregation back in 1842, and that has been a part of my daily reading for over six years now. Good morning and welcome to the morning segment of the Friday, October 20th episode of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. I am Wayne Floyd, your host. Faith comes from hearing podcast is a humble member of the Christian podcast community. You can find us over at Christian podcast community.org. We had all, there's a lot of great listening over there over 60 well-curated podcasts, a wide, wide variety of topics. all approached approach from a biblical world worldview. So very, very trustworthy over there. Um, I would definitely encourage you to get on over there and and look for something to listen to. I will guarantee you're going to find something over there you want to listen to. And there's a very real chance you're going to find more over there to listen to than you actually have time to listen to it in. So again, would encourage you to go on over there i want to continue to point you at the final link in our show notes or next to last link in our show notes i should say it is for the vale valley baptist church gives in go campaign we are striving to rapidly pay off our mortgage so that we can commence establishment of a christian classic education based school to provide a trustworthy alternative here within our community so go ahead and click on the link pastor j has provided a very thorough description of what we're trying to do so go ahead and give it a read And then we would ask three things of you. We'd ask you to pray for us. We'd ask you to prayerfully consider giving to us. And we'd ask you to pass that link along so that others can do the same. All right. Well, being a Friday morning, we're going to go ahead and do our Bible reading this morning. And then this evening, we'll go ahead and finish up our Bible study portion of the week. Um, I know it was very short. And I'm sorry, again, with everything that was going on, just was not able to get Monday and Tuesday ready. But we'll also be finishing. uh, We're going to be doing... um, john 14 verses 13 and 14 and that will be wrapping up our section on the comfort for troubled hearts and then we'll be moving on we'll be moving on into our uh uh, next week we'll be moving on further in john chapter 14 so why don't we go ahead and open up this morning we're going to open up this morning with the six-day morning prayer it's called the gospel let's pray O thou most high creator of the ends of the earth governor of the universe judge of all men Head of the Church, Saviour of sinners. Thy greatness is unsearchable, thy goodness infinite, thy compassions unfailing, thy providence boundless, thy mercies ever new. We bless thee for the words of salvation. How important, suitable, encouraging are the doctrines, promises, and invitations of the gospel of peace. We are lost, but in it thou hast presented to us a full, free, and eternal salvation. Weak, but here we learn that help is found in one that is mighty. Poor, but in him we discover unsearchable riches blind but we find he has treasures of wisdom and knowledge we thank thee for thy unspeakable gift thy son is our only refuge foundation hope confidence we depend upon his death rest in his righteousness desire to bear his image may his glory fill our minds his love reign in our affections his cross inflame us with ardour Let us as Christians fill our various situations in life, escape the snares to which they expose us, discharge the duties that arise from our circumstances, enjoy with moderation their advantages, improve with diligence their usefulness, and may every place and company we are in be benefited by us. Amen. All right, and the morning devotion from Spurgeon's Morning and Evening, the text for it is from Ephesians 4.15. Grow up into him in all things. Many Christians remain stunted and dwarfed in spiritual things, so as to present the same appearance year after year. No upspringing of advanced and refined feeling is manifest in them. They exist but do not grow up into him in all things. But should we rest content with being in the green blade, when we might advance to the year and eventually ripen into the full corn in the year? should we be satisfied to believe in christ and to say i am safe without wishing to know in our own experience more of the fullness which is to be found in him it should not be so we should as good traders in heavens market covet to be enriched in the knowledge of jesus it is all very well to keep other men's vineyards but we must not neglect our own spiritual growth and ripening why should it always be winter time in our hearts we must have our seed time it is true but, oh, for a springtime, yea, a summer season, which shall give promise of an early harvest! If we would ripen in grace, we must live near to Jesus in His presence, ripened by the sunshine of His smiles. We must hold sweet communion with Him. We must leave the distant view of His face, and come near, as John did, and pillar our head on His breast. Then shall we find ourselves advancing in holiness, in love, in faith, in hope, yea, in every precious gift. As the sun rises first on mountain tops and gilds them with his light, and presents one of the most charming sights to the eye of the traveler. So is it one of the most delightful contemplations in the world to mark the glow of the Spirit's light on the head of some saint who has risen up in spiritual stature, like Saul above his fellows, till like a mighty alp, snow-capped, he reflects first among the chosen the beams of the sun of righteousness, and bears the sheen of his effulgence high aloft for all to see, and seeing it, to glorify his Father which is in heaven. Alright, well our reading for today, we're going to be reading Jeremiah 35 and 36, 1 Timothy 5, Psalm 89 verses 14 through 37, so kind of the middle of that psalm, and Proverbs 25 verses 25 through 27. So Jeremiah 35, hear the word of the Lord. The word which came to Jeremiah from Yahweh in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, saying, Go to the house of the Rachabites and speak to them, and bring them into the house of Yahweh, into one of the chambers, and give them wine to drink. Then I took Jazaniah the son of Jeremiah, son of Habazinia, and his brothers, and all his sons, and whole ha- and the whole house of the Rachabites, And I brought them into the house of Yahweh, into the chamber of the sons of Hanan the son of Igdaliah, the man of God, which was beside the chamber of the officials, which was above the chamber of Messiah, the son of Shalem, the doorkeeper. Then I put before the men of the house of the Rechabites pitchers full of wine and cups, and I said to them, Drink wine. But they said, We will not drink wine, for Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, commanded us, saying, You shall not drink wine. You or your sons forever, and you shall not build a house, and you shall not sow seed, and you shall not plant a vineyard or own one, but tents you shall inhabit all your days, that you may live many days in the land where you sojourn. So we have listened to the voice of Jonadab the son of Rashab our father, and all that he commanded us, not to drink wine all our days, we, our wives, our sons, or our daughters, nor to build ourselves houses to inhabit, and we do not have vineyard, or field, or seed. We have, only, we have only inhabited tents, and have listened, and have done according to all that Jonadab our father commanded us. But it happened that when Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon came up against the land, we said, Come, let us come to Jerusalem before the military force of the Chaldeans, and before the military force of the Arameans." so we have inhabited Jerusalem. Then the word of Yahweh came to Jeremiah, saying, Thus says Yahweh of hosts, the God of Israel, go and say to the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, Will you not receive discipline by listening to my words, declares Yahweh? The words of Jonadab the son of Rashab, which he commanded his sons not to drink wine, are established. So they do not drink wine to this day, for they have listened to their father's command. But I have spoken to you, rising up early and speaking, yet you have not listened to me also i have sent to you all my slaves the prophets rising up early and sending saying turn now every man from his evil way and make good your deeds and do not walk after other gods to serve them then you will inhabit the land which i have given to you and to your fathers but you have not inclined your ear or listen to me indeed the sons of jonadab the son of rechab have established the command of their father which he commanded them but this people has not listened to me Therefore thus says Yahweh, the God of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I am bringing on Judah and on all the inhabitants of Jerusalem all the harmful evil that I have spoken against them, because I spoke to them, but they did not listen, and I have called them, but they did not answer. Then Jeremiah said to the house of the Rachabites, Thus says Yahweh of hosts, the God of Israel, because you have listened to the command of Jonadab, your father, kept all his commands, and done according to all that he commanded you. Therefore thus says Yahweh of hosts, the God of Israel." Jonadab, the son of Rashab, shall not have a man cut off from standing before me always. Jeremiah 36. Now it happened that in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, this word came to Jeremiah from Yahweh, saying, Take a scroll of a book and write on it all the words which I have spoken to you concerning Israel and concerning Judah and concerning all the nations from the day I first spoke to you from the days of Josiah even to this day. Perhaps the house of Judah will hear all the evil which I devised to bring on them in order that every man will turn from his evil way. Then I will forgive their iniquity and their sin. Then Jeremiah called Baruch the son of Neriah, and Baruch wrote on a scroll at the dictation of Jeremiah all the words of Yahweh which he had spoken to him. And Jeremiah commanded Baruch, saying, I am confined, I cannot go into the house of Yahweh, so you shall go and read from the scroll which you have written at my dictation the words of Yahweh in the hearing of the people in the house of Yahweh on a fast day, and also you shall read them in the hearing of all the people of Judah who come from their cities. Perhaps their supplication will come before Yahweh, and everyone will turn from his evil way. For great is the anger and the wrath that Yahweh has spoken against this people. So Baruch the son of Neriah did according to all that Jeremiah the prophet commanded him, reading from the book the words of Yahweh in the house of Yahweh. Now it happened in the fifth year of Jehoiakim the son of Josiah king of Judah, in the ninth month, that all the people in Jerusalem and all the people who came from the cities of Judah to Jerusalem called for a fast before Yahweh. Then Baruch read from the book the words of Jeremiah in the house of Yahweh in the chamber of Gemariah, the son of Shaphan the scribe, in the upper court at the entry of the new gate of the house of Yahweh in the hearing of all the people. Then Micaiah the son of Gemariah the son of Shaphan heard all the words of Yahweh from the book, and he went down to the king's house into the scribe's chamber, and behold all the officials were sitting there. Elishamah the scribe, and Delaiah the son of Shemaiah, and Elnathan the son of Akbor and Jemariah the son of Shaphan, and Zedekiah the son of Hananiah, and all the other officials. And Micaiah declared to them all the words that he had heard when Baruch read from the book in the hearing of the people. Then all the officials sent Jehudi the son of Nathaniah the son of Shelemiah, the son of Cushi to Baruch, saying, Take in your hand the scroll from which you have read in the hearing of the people, and come. So Baruch the son of Neriah took the scroll in his hand and went to them, and they said to him, Sit down, please, and read it in our hearing. So Baruch read it in their hearing. Now it happened that when they had heard all the words, they turned in dread one to another and said to Baruch, We will surely declare all these words to the king. And they asked Baruch, saying, Declare to us, please, how did you write all these words? Was it at his dictation? Then Baruch said to them, He dictated all these words to me, and I wrote them with ink in the book ink on the book, excuse me. Then the official said to Baruch, Go hide yourself, you and Jeremiah, and do not let any one know where you are. So they went to the king in the court, but they had deposited the scroll in the chamber of Elishama the scribe, and they declared all the words in the hearing of the king. Then the king sent Jehudi to get the scroll, and he took it out of the chamber of Elishama the scribe, and Jehudi read it in the hearing of the king, as well as in the hearing of all the officials who stood beside the king. Now the king was sitting in the winter house in the ninth month, with a fire burning in the Brazier before him. And it happened that when Jehudi had read three or four columns, the king cut it with the scribe's knife and threw it into the fire that was in the Brazier, until all the scroll was consumed in the fire that was in the Brazier. Yet the king and all his servants who heard all these words were not in dread, nor did they tear their garments. Even though Elnathan and Deliah and Jemariah interceded with the king not to burn the scroll, he would not listen to them. And the king commanded Jer- Jeremiah, the king's son, Saraiah, the son of Azrael, and Shelemiah, the son of Abdiel, to take Baruch the scribe and Jeremiah the prophet. But Yahweh hid them. Then the word of Yahweh came to Jeremiah after the king had burned the scroll, and the words which Baruch had written at the dictation of Jeremiah, saying, Take again another str- scroll <clears throat> and write on it all the former words that were on the first scroll which Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, burned. And concerning Jehoiakim, king of Judah, you shall say, Thus says Yahweh, You have burned this scroll, saying, Why have you written on it that the king of Babylon will certainly come and make this land a ruin, and will make man and beast to cease from it? Therefore thus says Yahweh concerning Jehoiakim, king of Judah, He shall have no one to sit on the throne of David, and his dead body shall be cast out to the heat of the day and the frost of the night. And I will also punish him and his seed and his servants for their iniquity. And I will bring on them and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and the men of Judah all the evil that I have spoken about to them. But they did not listen. Then Jeremiah took another scroll and gave it to Baruch the son of -ah Neriah the scribe. And he wrote on it at the dictation of Jeremiah all the words of the book which Jehoiakim king of Judah had burned in the fire and many similar words were added to them. All right. Sorry. Messages kept popping in. First uh, Timothy five, do not sharply rebuke an older man, but rather plead with him as a father to the younger men as brothers, the older women as mo- women as mothers, and the younger women as sisters. I'm sorry. The older women as mothers and the younger women as sisters in all purity. Honor widows who are widows indeed. But if any widow has children or grandchildren, they must first learn to practice piety in regard to their own family and to make some return to their parents, for this is acceptable in the sight of God. Now she who is a widow indeed, and who has been left alone, has fixed her hope on God, and continues in petitions and prayers night and day. But she who lives in self-indulgence is dead, even while she lives, and command these things as well, so that they may be above reproach but if any one does not provide for his own and especially for those of his household he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever a widow is to be put on the list only if she is not less than sixty years old having been the wife of one man having a reputation for good works if she has brought up children if she has shown hospitality to strangers if she has washed the saints feet if she has assisted those in affliction if she has devoted herself to every good work but refused to put younger women on the list For when they feel sensual desires in disregard of Christ, they want to get married, thus incurring condemnation because they have set aside their previous pledge, and at the same time they also learn to be idle as they go around from house to house, and not merely idle but also gossips and busybodies, talking about things not proper to mention. Therefore I want younger widows to get married, bear children, keep house, and give the enemy no opportunity for reviling. For some have already turned aside after Satan, if any believing woman has widows, she must assist them, and the church must not be burdened, so that it may assist those who are widows indeed. All right, sorry about that, folks. I had to take a little bit of a break. Um, Wife came home with groceries, and she's having an RA flare, so her hands are really bad. So I had to go grab the groceries for her and bring them in. All right, let's pick back up where we were. Let's see, we were first empty five, we're at verse 17. We're starting back at verse 17. The elders who lead well are to be considered worthy of double honor especially those who labor at preaching the word at preaching the word and teaching for the scripture says you shall not muzzle the ox while it is threshing and the laborer is worthy of his wages do not receive an accusation against an elder except on the basis of two or three witnesses those who continue in sin reprove in the presence of all so that the rest also will be fearful I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and of his elect angels to observe these instructions without bias, doing nothing in partiality. Do not lay hands upon anyone hastily, and thereby share responsibility for the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. No longer drink water only, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and your frequent ailments. The sins of some men are quite evident, going before them to judgment, for others their sins follow after so, also good works are quite evident, and those which are otherwise cannot be concealed. All right. Sorry, I'm a little bit out of breath there. All right. Psalm 89. That's what happens when you got to go up and downstairs and you're in this condition I'm in. So, Psalm 89, let's see. We're doing verses 14 through 37. Like I said, this is kind of the middle of it. And tomorrow on Saturday, we will do the end of. Chapter 89, Psalm 89. So, Psalm 89, verse 14 through 37. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Loving kindness and truth go before you. How blessed are the people who know the loud shout of joy. O Yahweh, they walk in the light of your face. In your name they rejoice all the day. And by your righteousness they are exalted. For you are the beauty of their strength. And by your favor our horn is exalted. For our shield belongs to Yahweh and our King to the Holy One of Israel. Formerly you spoke in vision to your holy ones, and said, I have bestowed help to a mighty one. I have exalted one chosen from the people. I have found David my servant. With my holy oil I have anointed him, with whom my hand will be established. My arm also will strengthen him. The enemy will not deceive him, nor the son of unrighteousness afflict him. But I shall crush his adversaries before him, and strike those who hate him. My faithfulness and my loving-kindness will be with him, and in my name his horn will be exalted. I shall also set his hand on the sea, and his right hand on the rivers. He will call to me, You are my Father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. I also shall make him my firstborn, the highest of the kings of the earth. My loving-kindness I will keep for him forever, and my covenant shall be confirmed to him. So I will set up his seed to endure forever, and his throne as the days of heaven. If his sons forsake my law, and do not walk in my judgments, if they profane my statutes, and do not keep my commandments, then I will punish their transgression with the rod, and their iniquity with striking. But I will not break off my loving kindness from him, nor deal falsely in my faithfulness. My covenant I will not profane, nor will I alter what comes forth from my lips. Once I have sworn by my holiness, I will not lie to David." "'His seed shall endure forever, and his throne as the sun before me. "'It shall be established forever like the moon, "'and the witness in the sky is faithful. "'Say La.'" All right, and finally, Proverbs 25, verse 25 through 27. "'Like cold water to a weary soul, "'so is a good report from a distant land. "'Like a muddied spring in a corrupted well "'is a righteous man shaking before the wicked. "'To eat too much honey is not good.' Or is it glory to search out one's own glory. All right. Well, that is our reading for today. I'm sorry it was a little, little iffy there. Had a few things happen in the middle. But that is our reading for today. <clears throat> like I said, uh, tomorrow and Sunday we'll be doing just reading, no Bible study. We'll pick that back up Monday. Um, but I hope you're here for the evening segment again. I hope you have yourself a wonderful day. I would continue to, um, implore you to do all that you do for the glory of God. And like I said, I hope I see you for the evening segment where we'll be wrapping up this section of John chapter 14 in preparation for next week. God willing, we'll continue on in John 14 with a new section. So let's go ahead and pray. We're going to close out with prayer called God all sufficient. Um, which is awesome because our pastor used this last night in his service. And I I love this prayer. O lord of grace the world is before me this day and i am weak and fearful but i look to thee for strength if i venture forth alone i stumble and fall but on the beloved's arms i am firm as the eternal hills if i let if left to the treachery of my heart i shall shame thy name but if enlightened guided upheld by thy spirit i shall bring thee glory be thou my arm to support my strength to stand my light to see my feet to run my shield to protect, my sword to repel, my son to warm. To enrich me will not diminish thy fulness. All thy loving kindness is in thy son. I bring him to thee in the arms of faith. I urge his saving name as the one who died for me. I plead his blood to pay my debts of wrong. Accept his worthiness for my unworthiness his sinlessness for my transgressions, his purity for my uncleanness, his sincerity for my guile, his truth for my deceits, his meekness for my pride, his constancy for my backslidings, his love for my enmity, his fullness for my emptiness, his faithfulness for my treachery, his obedience for my lawlessness, his glory for my shame, his devotedness for my waywardness, his holy life for my unchaste ways, his righteousness for my dead works, his death for my life amen how beautiful how beautiful how beautiful how beautiful thank you um again thank you for spending this time with me i hope you have your one a wonderful day and i hope to see you for the evening segment have a good one god bless Welcome to the evening segment of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. Good evening and welcome to the evening segment of the Friday, October 20th episode of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. I continue to be Wayne Floyd, your host. All right. We are going to be getting back into our study of John chapter 14. So let's go ahead and open up and get right into it. Uh, We're going to open up with prayer. Uh, The prayer from Valley Vision is called Confidence. Let's pray. Oh, God. Thou art very great. My lot is to approach thee with godly fear and humble confidence, for thy condescension equals thy grandeur, and thy goodness is thy glory. I am unworthy, but thou dost welcome guilty. I'm sorry. I am unworthy, but thou dost welcome. Guilty, but thou art merciful. Indigent, but thy riches are unsearchable. Thou hast shown boundless compassion towards me by not sparing thy son, and by giving me freely all things in him. This is the foundation of my hope. THE REFUGE OF MY SAFETY, THE NEW AND LIVING WAY TO THEE, THE MEANS OF THAT CONVICTION OF SIN, BROKENNESS OF HEART, AND SELF-DESPAIR, WHICH WILL ENDEAR TO ME THE GOSPEL. HAPPIER THEY, WHO ARE Christ IN HIM AT PEACE WITH THEE, JUSTIFIED FROM ALL THINGS, DELIVERED FROM COMING WRATH, MADE HEIRS OF FUTURE GLORY. GIVE ME SUCH DEADNESS TO THE WORLD, SUCH LOVE TO THE SAVIOR, SUCH ATTACHMENT TO HIS HOUSE, SUCH DEVOTEDNESS TO HIS SERVICE, AS PROVES ME A SUBJECT OF HIS SALVATION. May every part of my character and conduct make a serious and amiable impression on others and impel them to ask the way to the Master. Let no incident of life, pleasing or painful, injure the prosperity of my soul, but rather increase it. Send me thy help, for thine appointments are not meant to make me independent of thee, and the best means will be vain, without superadded blessings. Amen. Alright, evening devotion uh, for... Uh, October 20th from Spurgeon's Morning and Evening. The text is from Isaiah 43 6. Keep not back. Although this message was sent to the south and referred to the seat of Israel, it may profitably be a summons to ourselves. Backward we are naturally to all good things, and it is a lesson of grace to learn to go forward in the ways of God. Reader, are you unconverted, but do you desire to trust in the Lord Jesus? Then keep not back. Love invites you. The promises secure your success. The precious blood prepares the way. Let not sins or fears hinder you, but come to Jesus just as you are. Do you long to pray? Would you pour out your heart before the Lord? Keep not back. The mercy seat is prepared for such as need mercy. A sinner's cries will prevail with God. You are invited, nay, you are commanded to pray. Come, therefore, with boldness to the throne of grace. Dear friend, are you already saved? Then keep not back from union with the Lord's people. Neglect not the ordinances of baptism in the Lord's Supper. You may be of a timid disposition, but you must strive against it, lest it lead you into disobedience. There is a sweet promise made to those who confess Christ. By no, no means miss it, lest you come under the condemnation of those who deny Him. If you have talents, keep not back from using them. Hoard not your wealth, waste not your time, let not your abilities rust, or your influence be unused. Jesus kept not back, imitate him by being foremost in self-denials and self-sacrifices. Keep not back from close communion with God, from boldly appropriating covenant blessings, from advancing in the divine life, from prying into the precious mysteries of the love of Christ. Neither beloved friend nor Sorry, neither, beloved friend, be guilty of keeping others back by your coldness, harshness, or suspicions. For for Jesus' sake, go forward yourself and encourage others to do the like. Hell and the leaguered bands of superstition and, and, and infidelity are forward to the fight. O soldiers of the cross, keep not back. All right, well, we are going to continue on in our study of the Gospel of John. We're in John chapter 14. All right. So again, like I said, John chapter 14, we are going to be uh, wrapping up this section called Comfort for Troubled Hearts. Again, that's uh, like I've said, my, my headers and subheaders and titles and stuff um, all come from a theologian I very much trust. Um, it just makes things easier for me and much quicker to be able to put together and get the Bible study done and be ready and be able to do this for you. So this section, and I, and I think it absolutely fits, um, was titled by him Comfort for Troubled Hearts. And so we've walked through this. And again, we've got we've got to remember. And I'm probably going to take a drink here real quick. And no, that, that wasn't like a beer top or anything, actually. That's kombucha. And I know some people hate it, but actually the wife and I enjoy it. And it helps our digestion. And as we get older, that's very important. Um, and just so you all know, getting old is not for whims. Um, okay, so... But anyways, we've, we've had the apostles, we've had the disciples, the, the 11, okay, the 11, Judas is gone. The 11, they're in the upper room. Jesus has bathed their feet, bathed their feet, and we, we, we cannot miss that. And I, like I've said before, it's some of my favorite verses in the whole scripture because it shows the true, true humility of love, the true, to and just the true humility period that we as Christians should exhibit. And, and that's so important to me because it's always been something I've struggled with. That That is one of those things. Pride is something I very much fight. I, I, I was fighting before I was saved, and obviously I fight as I'm saved. Um, I don't want to be proud in myself. My, the only thing I should take honor from is God. Or, or not take from, but but worry about honor in is in glorifying God. That's it. Um, so it's something I very much work very, very hard to ensure and i stumble in it just like most of us do so so but very very key that humility he shows that love he shows but at the same time that that shakes the 11 that shakes them. He's just been proclaimed by the people as he came in in John chapter 12, as he comes in the triumphal entry into the city here in this last Passover, where he's coming to be crucified. And they're not quite liking that either, because he said it repeatedly. He's made clear that he's going to be raised up. And, you know, you and I read that and go, huh, it, they know what that means. He's stating very clearly, I'm going to be murdered and I'm going to be raised up. The The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the chief priests, the scribes, the, the, the religious elite are going to murder me. They're going to execute me and they're going to put me on a cross. He's been very clear about this. They don't, don't think these guys don't understand what he's saying. They just don't like what he's saying. They're not grasping what he's saying because they're still seeing him as an earthly king, not a heavenly king, not a spiritual king, not a king of the universe. They're, they're not making that adjustment, but we got to realize that. They're not indwelt by the Holy Spirit yet either. We see that happen at Pentecost. But they're not indwelt by the Holy Spirit. They, they do have a saving faith. I mean, they, they've they come to a true faith at this point. They're just not indwelt by the Holy Spirit yet. But they have come to a saving faith. So, But they're struggling. Because this man they're still seeing, this, this, this Messiah they're still seeing as an earthly Messiah, as an earthly king, has proclaimed repeatedly. One told them, I'm going to be betrayed. There in John 13, I'm going to be betrayed by one of you, not somebody else, by one of you. And John the apostle is the only one who, who hears what Jesus says and grasps that he's speaking of Judas. The rest don't. That's why we see their questions there um, towards the end of John 13. But not only that, he again reiterates that he's going to be lifted up, that, he, that he's going to be crucified, and that he's going to be going away from them which shakes them. They're like, wait, you have to establish your kingdom. You said, you're going to establish your kingdom. What was going on here? How are you going to establish your kingdom if you're not here? So it's shaking them. And then he makes clear right there in front of them that Peter they're like I've said, their titular leader. What I mean by that is, is he's kind of defaulted into the leadership position because fact is Peter can't shut up. And I say that knowing that I'm one of those people that sometimes just can't shut up. Um, But Peter always seems to have something to say. And in a lot of cases, as I do, he puts both feet in his mouth. And and I I would wonder how large his feet are that he and how big his mouth is that he can put both feet in there. But but I mean, he does. But that he is going to even though he swears, I will die with you. Jesus makes clear you're going to deny me three times tonight before the cock crows. Like I said, their world's crumbling out from underneath them. And so we see there as we come into John 14, Jesus comforting them. We even saw some of that and Jesus showing that that supreme standard of sacrificial love, showing that love to them, trying to buoy them up, trying to boost them up and support them and make clear, listen, I know this is going to be hard, but you're okay. And so we come into this section about being comfort for troubled hearts and Jesus is a comfort. So we saw the comfort Comfort comes from trusting Christ's presence. Again, verse one, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. And as I said, you could also say, trust in God, trust also in me, because that's really what he's saying. He's not saying come to a saving faith. He's saying, trust us. We've still got a mess, and and it goes on. We've still got a mission to do. You still need to carry the gospel out there. You're going to be supported with this. And, And every one of these points supports that. We see the comfort comes from trusting Christ's preparation. Verse 2 and 3, Jesus speaks of um, that he's going to the father to his father's house where there's many dwelling places. And he's going there to prepare a place for them. And because of that, he's coming back to get them. So they're not going to be an orphan. They're not going to be left alone. But that that, one, they have a place there with God. Therefore, they are saved. Making clear, you are saved. You are mine. And that makes clear to you and I. They are saved. They are his he's going to prepare them a place and he's coming back for them so again comfort we see comfort comes from trusting christ's proclamation verse 4 through 6 again we see that in verse 6 i am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father but through me he makes that clear proclamation if if you're starting if you're starting to struggle and 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 have doubts about the fact that i'm the messiah I'm making very very clear to you, and, and believe me, these guys know. He's made very clear. No one comes to the Father. He's saying no one comes to God except through me. So he's making clear. No one gets to God except through me, and I am the Son of God, and I am the way, the truth, and the life, and I'm the only way in. So you can trust me. You can trust this. You can you can trust in what the Father and I have set out. We saw a cover coming from trusting Christ's person, um, verses 7 through 11 again, you know, that we see, you know, Philip asked question, Lord, show us the father and it is enough for us. And Jesus again, tries to hammer home. And I'm sure there was some disappointment in there, but he's like, I and the father are are one. The father's in me. I'm in him. If you see me, you've seen the father because he's the father incarnate. I mean, he's, he's God incarnate and he, and he goes on to make clear, listen, the words I'm speaking to you, I'm not speaking them for myself. They're the father. And those are the works he's doing in me is speaking those words, speaking the words of God. You know, Jesus is the modern day voice of God at that point. That's what he's doing. And so he's very, very clear as you can trust me as I am and in this person. And then we see comfort coming from trusting Christ's power, states clearly in verse 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also in greater works than these he will do because I go to the Father. And again, yeah, the guys go on and and they do some miracles. And we see those miracles throughout the book of Acts. Um, And we see Paul, you know, we see Paul and these 11 doing miracles. Okay, but that's not the works we're really talking about there. What Jesus is talking about there. As we go back to verse 10, we see that the words that I say to you, I do not speak from myself, but the father abiding in me does his works, meaning the father does those works through him in what Jesus spoke, the gospel. Those are the works he's talking about that they will do greater works. They are going to take the gospel that is kind of centered there in Israel, this little tiny country that we've been seeing a lot of maps of over the last two weeks, and they're going to carry that throughout the known world. They're going to carry that throughout the known world. And within a, within a generation, they're going to have saturated the Mediterranean, the, all that around the Mediterranean. They're going to have saturated it. You know, So that's what he's talking about there. And he's giving confidence, making clear, you guys have a job to do. And you're going to be successful at it. You're going to carry it out there. You're going to do greater works than I've done in bringing the gospel to God's people. So we come into ours today, and this is the last one of of them. Comfort comes from trusting Christ's promise. So verse 13 and 14. So I'm going to read them to you. John 14, verse 13 and 14. Whatever you ask in my name, this will I do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. So i got to start from the beginning, because actually this is the crux of this. It is way too easy for somebody to pile in this and go, so basically he was telling them that they could ask for anything and as long as they asked it in him in his name, Christ will fulfill it for them so that God would be glorified. That's not exactly what he said. And, and that's where we have to remember because Jesus also says that to others, which would be, and even in this case would be said to us. So let me be clear about what this is saying when it says, whatever you ask in my name, again, Jesus is here talking about prayer. He's talking about prayer. Yes. So Jesus is talking about prayer here. He's talking about prayer. So that's what we need to get in our head. Uh, Whatever you ask in my name, when he's talking about the asking, he's talking about prayer. He's telling them you need to be in prayer. But what he's also telling them is, listen, I'm going to, and that's what the part of the comfort is, is I'm going to be supplying you. Yeah, I know you're going to have needs. And that's the thing we, we need to remember. And I know I've brought it up a couple times, but again, we, we really need to be in this right headspace with this is these guys have left everything behind. I mean, you know, I, Pastor Jay was talking Wednesday night, you know, about farmers, this is an agrarian society. They were subsistence level farmers. Well, We got to understand, you know, a good chunk of these guys, anywhere from four to six of them. So anywhere from a third to a half of these guys were fishermen, but I'll guarantee you they were subsistence level fishermen. These are not guys, um, that are necessarily wealthy because of their fishing. Okay. So they're probably sufficient or, um, subsistence level fishermen as well i mean it, this wasn't believe me there was a very large dichotomy There were the very very wealthy and there were the subsistence level there there wasn't a lot of 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 uh middle income folks out there i mean there aren't a lot in our country anymore because of what the government's done to us but but you know that's the thing there was there was the very well off and this subsistence level and that was it so between that that the tax collector who's no longer making i mean these guys are not making wages Again, these guys are not making wages. They've they've lived off of been supported off of those that have come. I mean, I mean I'm mean, i sure Lazarus and his family have provi- provided for them. Um, that's why they sent somebody to him uh, when Lazarus got sick. I mean, you know, so I'm sure they've supported. I'm sure there's other families that have supported families that were pretty well off supported um, that e- even even the poorer of the people have contributed Um, they've been able to stay places for free. They've been fed for free, stuff like that. But with Jesus gone, their, their leader gone, he's the big attraction. I mean, Hey, it's great. They've been around and yeah. Okay. They were able to, uh, you know, and, um, from the other gospels, you know, go and cast out demons and heal people and some stuff like that while Jesus is still here. At the same time, they're not sure that's going to continue. I mean, they, they really have no confirmation yet that that's going to continue. Um, though it does to, to a certain extent, but, but at the same time, you know, and, and not necessarily in a mercenary way, but Jesus is their meal ticket. I mean, he really is. I mean, I mean in, in pure logistical sense. And they have to be wondering, how are we going to provide for ourselves? So again, he's making clear, you're going to be provided for. Whatever you ask in my name, this will I do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Now, at the same time, What we have to understand. And, and this has become way too prevalent. And don't get me wrong. I tend to say this at the end of my prayers when I'm, when I'm praying extemporaneously. Um, but people have come to almost treat this as a magic formula. When this is talking about whatever you ask in my name, this is not a, a, as long as they throw on the end of their prayer in jesus name or in jesus Christ's name or in your name messiah or whatever that's not what it's talking about that, that's not some magic formula some magic chant that they you know that that then jesus will respond like a genie that's not what he's saying when he's saying in my name at the same time he's saying in the father's name remember He's in the Father the Father's in him if you know me you'll know the Father all of that stuff so if you're saying it in Jesus name you're saying it in God's name and what that means and 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 they would understand this that would that this was a way of speaking there where we don't typically that's not not a typical uh statement we would use a typical way of speaking about something that we would use in our modern vernacular but when you say that basically what Jesus is saying is Whatever you ask within my will, I will do. Whatever you ask within the Father's will, meaning that they need to get to where their will is in line with what the Father's will is. This this isn't a, a, Jesus, give me a new donkey so I don't have to walk. This isn't Jesus, give me a new fishing boat so I can go out and make more money. This isn't um, Jesus, um, make me magically go from... from uh, Jerusalem to um, Bethsaida, so I don't have to walk that distance and go through Samaria. This isn't that kind of thing. This isn't. This isn't Jesus. Um, I don't have a wife yet. Give me a. Give me a wife magically, so I don't have to go. You know, it, it's not that kind of thing. Now, I'm not saying some of those things might not have been in the will of God to bring honor to God, but that's the thing. Jesus is clear about that. So that the father may be glorified in the son. The only way the father's going to be glorified in the son is if the prayers that are being prayed are being prayed in the will of God. And that's true for us, too, because there's way too many people nowadays that seem to have this idea that they can turn around and they can treat God like a little genie or Jesus like a genie and throw on the, in Jesus' name, in the name of our Father, in God's name, or whatever on the end, and it's a magic formula, and God's going to go poof and give them a brand new $80,000 car, or a $500,000 house, or stuff like that. That's not what he's talking about. It's when we truly, when, when in our walk, when in our soul, in our heart, the, the center of our being is what they're talking about, not not the feelings heart, but the center of our being, being our soul, when that is truly in line with God's will, with Jesus' will, and we pray that way, that's what he's talking about. Whatever you ask in my name, that's what he's talking about. That's what he's telling these guys, and they would understand this that way, okay? I, we have to explain it to us because we don't speak this way. That That's not part, like I said, that's not part of our vernacular, part of the way we normally talk. If you don't know what vernacular means, and I realize I use that term a lot, but... Um, but so... <clears throat> excuse me. So again, that's what he's talking about here. And he's telling him, if you are truly in, in, in line with God's purpose, in line with my purpose here, in line with the kingdom and your kingdom thinking and kingdom praying that I will meet those needs. You're doing the work of the kingdom and you need help, spiritual help give me a call get down on your knees and pray and i will be there for you i will support you the holy spirit will will drive what happens there and bring and 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 assist you and bring honor to the father that's that's what he's saying there that's what he's trying to convey to them and 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 so that's the thing that's where and i and i wanted to be clear about this and i want to make sure that the, that we clearly understand this that he, he really is not saying, Hey, just throw my name on the, on the end of a prayer. And that's magically going to do it. Um, and, and we got so many people now that throw his name on the end of prayers and almost treat it like a magic formula. Now, now when I use it on the end of a prayer, I don't use it as a magic formula. Um, uh, but sometimes I do get a little blase and a little rote throwing that on the end. And that, that's something I shouldn't do. That's something we really shouldn't do at the same time. We, we definitely within our prayer life and, and this should this should be you know one it should be a comfort that if we're truly praying within the will of God to know that God is going to answer those prayers. It may not be all always be the answer answer we want though if we're truly praying within the will of God, it probably will. but that's one of the things we struggle with is it in many, many cases, You and I don't pray within the will of God. Our prayer life, i got to be honest with you. I'm putting an awful lot of time into reading and studying and being in the scriptures. But you know what's struggling the most for me? My prayer life. My prayer life is struggling a great deal. And it needs to be shaped. And I need to get more and more to the point where my prayer life truly reflects subsuming my will, submitting my will to the will of the Father the will of the son. We got to think about it. Even, even in the Lord's prayer, um, you know, we hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's part of the Lord's prayer there. That's what he's talking about in the will of God that, that we pray that God's will would be done here. Whatever that is, whether we understand it or not, that it'd be done here. That's what he's talking about to them right there. That if they truly pray in the will of God, they truly pray, Pray within the will of Christ. Thus, in His in His name, in My name. Then the Father may be glorified in the Son, and He will, and those prayers will be answered. So He's comforting them by by letting them know, as long as you're doing the work of the kingdom, and as long as you're praying truly in My name. Then I will answer you, and that's what He's saying to you and me too. Then when it comes to true spiritual need. And we're truly praying in the will of God. He's going to answer us. He's going to comfort us in our times of troubles. And believe me, you and I. I don't say this to be. To be a Debbie Downer. But I love you too much to be false with you. The fact is. The way things are looking. Is. You and I are going to have more and more troubles as we try to walk a truly Christian walk, that worthy walk explained in Ephesians 4, 5, and 6, that the Christian should walk. We are going to have more and more troubles coming from all around us, coming from inside the church, coming from outside the church, coming from from our government, from our neighbors, you name it. So we need this comfort, and we should take comfort in Christ's presence, By trusting in Christ's presence, by trusting in Christ's preparation, by trusting in Christ's proclamation that he is the way, the truth, and the life. By trusting in his person that he truly is in the Father and the Father is in him. And that if we've seen him, meaning we've come to the scriptures, we've been been enmeshed in the scriptures and we see Christ there. We should be, we should take comfort that we should be trusting in Christ's power. Like I said last night, we still have a mission to do. We still have to take the gospel to all the corners of the earth and we have the technology to do it, to even do it better now and more efficiently and what comfort we should take in that. And we should take comfort from trusting in Christ's promise that if whatever we ask in his name, this will he do so that the father may be glorified in the son. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this evening. Thank you for spending this time with me. Again, we're through with Bible study for the week. We'll do a Bible reading Saturday and Sunday, and then we'll pick back up, God willing, um, in John 14 on Monday. Let's go ahead and close out with prayer. We're going to close out with the six-day evening prayer called the Mediator. Let's pray. O God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we hope in thy word. There we see thee, not on a fearful throne of judgment, but on a throne of grace, waiting to be gracious and exalted in mercy. There we hear thee saying, Not depart ye cursed, but look unto me, and be ye saved. For I am God, and there is no none else. They that know thy name put their trust in thee. How many now glorified in heaven, and what numbers living on earth are thy witnesses, O God! exemplifying in their recovery from the ruins of the fall, the freeness, riches, and efficacy of thy grace. All that were ever saved were saved by thee, and will through eternity exclaim, not unto us, but unto thy name, give glory for thy mercy and truth's sake. Thou hast chosen to transact all thy concerns with us through a mediator, in whom all fullness dwells, and who is exalted to be prince and savior. To him we look, on him we depend, through him we are justified." May we derive relief from His sufferings, without ceasing to abhor sin, or to long after holiness. Feel the double efficacy of His blood, tranquilizing and cleansing our consciences. Delight in His service as well as in His sacrifice. Be constrained by His love, to live not to ourselves, but to Him, Cherish a grateful and cheerful disposition, not murmuring and repining if our wishes are not indulged or because some trials are blended with our enjoyments, but sensible of our desert and impressed with the number and greatness of thy benefits. May we bless and praise thee at all times. Amen. All right. Well, thank you for spending this time this evening with me. I hope this time has helped uh, um, help you grow more and more in your understanding of the scriptures. And I hope to see you tomorrow morning. Have a great night. God bless.